Good morning. Good morning. One day, the, the world honored one, the Buddha, got up on the teaching seat. Is it on? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Is yes, it on? It. No, yes, it's, it it's not on. Can you turn this on? No. Hello. No, it's not on. Hello. <laughs> one day, the world honored one. One day, <laughs> the world honored one got up on the teaching seat like this. So, in those days, we have to do something about our sound system, don't we? <laughs> um, we got up like this. And in those days, sometimes the Buddha would sit in little groups. He just traveled all over northern India. So he'd sit in little groups and talk. And sometimes there would be a big crowd. So he'd be on a raised platform like this or higher, probably. So one day, the world-honored one got up on the seat to what they thought to do, what they thought he was going to do, give a discourse. So he sat for some time, doesn't say how long. He sat for a while, and then he got back down and left. And then Manjushri, we say the prince of wisdom, uh, took the gavel and struck a block of wood and said, the Dharma of the king of Dharma is thus. So this is the first story in a really important book of stories called the Book of Serenity. It starts off the whole collection of a hundred stories and the person who collected it, great poet, great Chinese poet and, and Zen master, wrote poems about each of these. So the poem he wrote about that is, so the poem sort of is his understanding of this story. The poem is the unique breeze of reality. Do you see? Continuously creation runs her loom and shuttle incorporating the forms of spring. So that's his poem. There's another line which I'll mention in a minute, but Basically, while he was sitting there, while the Buddha was sitting there, he, she, while the Buddha was sitting there, while we're sitting here, when we were sitting here earlier, creation is running her loom and shuttle. Reality is running the loom and shuttle continuously, incorporating the forms of spring. So while we're sitting experiencing whatever each of us is, is experiencing while we're sitting in the meditation posture, reality is running all around us and through us. We are this reality running around, being incorporated in the forms of summer. And then when we get up, um, our action is still incorporated into reality. And all of our action and 
thinking and movements is incorporated into reality, meaning all of our actions are part of reality and have an impact. All of our actions are powerful. Same is true when we're sitting. So this is an action and a powerful uh, effect on reality. So the final line is, so the first three lines are, the unique breeze of reality do you see? Continuously, creation runs her loom and shuttle, incorporating the forms of spring. Oh, it also mentions the ancient brocade. So, incorporating the forms of spring in the ancient brocade. <laughs> and then the last line is, but nothing can be done about Manjushri's leaking. So, Manjushri got up after the Buddha had got off the teaching platform to make sure we understood, right? So Manjushri really wanted to make sure we understood. So he gave an explanation. He said, the Dharma of the Dharma King is thus. So he's trying to point it out. And in Zen, this is called leaking. It's called the leaking. There are various kinds of leakings, the leaking of views. To not leak would just be, uh, ideally, to go along with the forms of spring. You don't have to point it out. This is reality. But all of Zen practice is really about leaking, because we're always saying, this is what it means. <laughs> we're just going to live our lives, but this is what it means. <laughs> and that's important. We have to be willing to so-called leak. If we stay removed without making any explanations, um, even back in the day, Manjushri had to say to all of these pretty awake people, you know, pay attention, something important just happened right there, and you were part of it. So the unique breeze of reality is kind of a, an important phrase because it is unique. And it's not just like each of us is sitting here feeling the same reality. Each of us is a unique piece of this ancient brocade. What a beautiful brocade it is. Look around. Fantastic beauty. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. So the uniqueness of each of your conscious or unconscious experiences when you're sitting or when you're standing or when you're walking, lying down, this is reality. It's absolutely unique to you. This uh, story, this koan, it's called koan, means public case. So these stories are collected. They're very important. I'm going to bring up another one a little bit later. But first, I want to say, speaking of uniqueness, next Saturday, we're going to have a funeral for one of our really unique members. All of you are very unique, so you get to come to the funeral. But one of our very unique members, Yazan Dave Johnson, passed away in May um, after a few years of illness, but he is really important, so I want to say something about him because um, he's one of our founding members. He wasn't like the one of the first at the Unitarian Church, but he where we used to meet a long, long time ago. But he did come to the Unitarian Church, and he had started his Buddhist practice even long before that. So this story was one that was really important to him and caught his attention. I bring him up also because. Uh, he transformed in front of our eyes. 
So he started practice with great sincerity and great enthusiasm and great um, intensity, uh, which showed up often as, um, what would you call it? Argumentativeness. <laughs> he really wanted to clarify the great matter and he uh, made sure that we wanted to clarify the great matter as well. But something happened in his heart as he was going along with this and something happened that we get to see when he, uh, to make a short story of it, when he accepted his uniqueness, he settled into reality. Each of us is unique. We don't practice in order to become somebody else. In fact, we don't even practice to uh, make things better. We practice to be ourselves in this situation. And then a great peace happens in a, in a life. A great peace. And then, as with Yazan, Dave Johnson, his name means wild mountains, when that peace arrives, you want to help other people find that peace, whatever it takes. So he was very helpful. He built many things around here and at the land. He was helpful in so many ways. He was um, a friend to all. He would drop everything to help people. Um, this, this particular koan was very important to him and he, he had a, an awakening experience about the idea of the unique breeze of reality. His kind of transformation reminds us, reminds me of another kind of trans transformation. And this is a transformation of understanding of one of the founders. We don't, oh yeah, yeah, we do. Right behind Benny is a statue of the ferocious uh, monk, Indian monk, Bodhidharma. Bodhidharma is famous in our school because he came from India to China to bring Zen. Very famous. He has, in all the representations, he has a red beard, red hair, intense glare in his eyes. Uh, he's carrying a staff with some possessions, but he is determined to walk from India to China and bring the Dharma. Oh, actually, he took a boat, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he took a boat the long way around. One of the stories of his arrival is also very important in Zen because he came to see the emperor. This is the second story in the Book of Serenity. It's the first story in another important collection of stories, the Blue Cliff Record, came to China and the emperor heard about him. So the emperor had done a lot of fantastic things in China at that time. He built monasteries, he supported a bunch of monks, he'd done many, many good deeds, he was trying to become a better person by doing good deeds. So he wanted to see this famous traveler. So he sent his, um, who did he have sent probably? Probably sent the soldiers or his court attendants to get Bodhidharma and bring him to court. So Bodhidharma showed up, this wild, intense, he's always shown frowning, um, wild, intense, teacher of, of Dharma, and the emperor said, I've done all these great things. I've built monasteries, I've supported so many monks, I've helped everybody do everything. 
what is the merit in this? Hoping that there would be a lot of merit and that he would be transformed because of this merit. Bodhidharma said, no merit. And then the emperor perplexed said, who are you? And Bodhidharma said, I don't know. And they had a couple of other phrases that they exchanged. But then Bodhidharma left and went off to a cave, Shaolin, and sat facing the wall for nine years. So this morning, 30 minutes, not so bad. <laughs> so that's very famous in our school. A lot of the lesson taken from that story is how important sitting is. It's taken as the, um, and, and this is very valid interpretation, it's taken as Bodhidharma was showing the emperor, well, this is all you need to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I came here from India to do, to show you sitting, just sitting without saying anything like the Buddha did and letting the unique breeze of reality flow. But the emperor did not understand this. And the commentary in the book of, in the Blue Cliff Record, leans into more of that wild-eyed Bodhidharma interpretation as if, you know, this was a wild encounter and he was really showing the emperor something. But Dogen, the founder of Zen in Japan, um, doesn't see it that way. He says, Bodhidharma took a step back and showed his true heart. So he sees the encounter of Bodhidharma and the emperor as one of intimacy and gentleness. It just didn't mislead him. He was trying to tell him that it wasn't about gaining merit so that you would be a different person. There's no merit. You're already unique. You're already who you are. You don't need to do these things for merit. It's good that you did them, but no merit. And then the next um, little interchange was from the emperor saying, who's facing me? And Bodhidharma said, I don't know. I don't know. And this is also part of our unique inheritance. We're not some fixed thing. We're not this person all the time. We're not these qualities. We're a changing flow of reality, weaving itself over and over. Last week, was it last week you gave your talk? A couple weeks ago, Zach gave a talk, and in answer to one of the questions in the um, discussion period, it was a very heartfelt question, and then there was a little bit of a pause, and then there was this very heartfelt answer. I don't know. It was so great. So since the time of Bodhidharma, the, um, and I don't think you were quoting Bodhidharma, it just arose. Um, since the time of Bodhidharma, there are several meanings of that phrase, I don't know. And it comes from that. It comes from the awakened place of Bodhidharma's honesty. I don't know. And then it comes, there's another interpretation, or there's another way of using I don't know. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, but from that time, Zen students can hear both. They're listening for both. Is it the I don't know of vast reality wisdom, or is it the I don't know of 
a little blockade in the in the consciousness. We pay attention to that. So Bodhidharma's uh, Bodhidharma is seen sometimes as this ferocious person willing to confront the emperor of China at the risk of his life. He could have been beheaded on the spot. Or Dogen turns it, and I feel this way too. Bodhidharma was opening his heart. He was just not misleading the emperor. He was being, treating him with the respect he would show to anyone. There's no merit. You're already fine. So our Yazan softened that way without really trying to. It wasn't that we made him feel bad about arguing, not too often anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a scientist. He was was a scientist and a father and a husband and a beautiful practitioner of the way, incredibly generous. What else was he? Artist, so creative, just flowing out of him all the time. And when I first started coming to Houston to visit a long, long time ago before moving here and us doing this together, he um, was one of those who had a young daughter and he was sewing his, his Buddhist robes and he had to leave early. And this was significant because I had come a long way to help him sew these robes. And he said he couldn't stay because he had to go to his daughter's softball game. And I thought, yes, these are the kind of people. (laughs) So he eventually ordained. He practiced for a long time, and he wanted to become a Buddhist priest. So I want to say something about that now. Uh, He really wanted to become a Buddhist priest, to take these vows, wear these robes, and have that be part of his reality, moving around. And he really longed for that. And in our tradition, uh, we, we try to make that happen for people. But we have some, what would you call it, kind of a trellis to help support that. Because if you ordain as a priest and then you have no support, it can feel really wobbly like those flowers that need a little support thing, you know. That, right? So you need a structure. And our structure for Dave and for all the priests in the room are uh, basically the practice has to come first. And of course, the family also has to come first. Can you do that? Can you put your family first and your practice first? And can you take care of the container for other people? And can you do that for 10 years? So basically... All these people who ordain and are ordained here, wonderful people, have all made that commitment and have all practiced at least 10 years before ordination. And then the only other requirement is, can you be upright and comport yourself like a priest for the rest of your life? That's the only other requirement. (laughs) I'll let myself out. (laughs) and then the form that that takes is unique and individual and that you know it feels like that's what gives people that's what inspires people i feel you don't see we're not all cookie cutters doing the exact same thing He's got a good hand posture right there. He has a very relaxed, casual one. <laughs> Let's see. 
I'm not judging. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then the other part is um, part of, you know, being a priest here in any temple is you serve the temple. So you if you want to talk about the priests here, you say our priests, they belong to you. We belong to you. We belong to the center. And therefore, that means being open to um, comments, feedback, requests. What else? Comments, feedbacks, requests, and um, criticism. No. (laughs) From everybody. From me and from each other and from everyone. Feedback. Because you take a particular place in this world when you agree to be ordained. You take on the marks. And the people who are wearing the small Buddhist robes have also agreed to take on a, a sign, a signifier of Buddhist practice. And this means when people ask us about it, well, why, why are you wearing that? Well, I belong to the Houston Zen Center. I'm working with the 16 Bodhisattva vows. And I'm even a Buddhist. I'm a practitioner of the way of reality and peace. So that's a mark we've agreed to take on. And back to the story of of Buddha stepping up on that platform and then saying nothing, that's also our way. No marks, no comments, just merge into reality. So when we take these signifiers off, we're merged in reality. But actually, the precepts are still with us. Because I'm really into this gesture today. (laughs) I really like fabric. One final thing about Yazan, there was one other, there were, he had a deep understanding, very, very deep understanding. And you could see it in his mischievous glint in his eyes. Very deep understanding. He would sit in our Dharma talks without commenting. He gave up commenting after he gave up arguing. (laughs) But he would sit there and look out and mischievous glint in his eyes. (laughs) He didn't really give up talking at all. But one koan that was very, very, very important to him, was kind of an awakening koan for him, is a story of um, a young monk and the great teacher, Fayan. A lot of of stories about this great Chinese master, Fayan. And Fayan had a big temple in China. And there was a monk there that hadn't been to see him. So he had one of his attendants go and get Bao En, his name, B-A-O-E-N. Go get Bao En, I'd like to talk to him. And so Bao En came and Fayan said, well, you've been here for about three years and you haven't been to see me what's going on? And Bao In said, oh, no problem, teacher. I used to practice with so-and-so. I don't remember the name of that teacher. I used to practice with them, and there I achieved total insight. (laughs) 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 And Fayan said, oh, tell me about that. And he said, well, I went to see the teacher, and I said, um, what is the self of the Buddhist practitioner? I, the monk, I bow and said to the teacher, what is the self? What is this self? What is this self? It's vast and it's connected and reality flows through it. But he said, what is this self? And the teacher, the other teacher said, 
The fire god comes seeking fire. And Bowen said, at that I had a, an awakening. And Fayan said, that's pretty good, but you clearly didn't understand. And so Gawain was um, perplexed, upset, disappointed. And so he packed all of his things to leave because he thought he really understood. And clearly he had to just leave this place. Then he thought, Fayan is the teacher of 500 monks. A lot of people think he knows what he's saying. So maybe I should go back one more time. So he went back to see Fayan. And Fayan said, welcome back, ask me. And the monk Bowen said, what is the self of the practitioner? And Fayan said, the fire god comes seeking fire. And at that, he had a total awakening. Sometimes the story is the fire boy comes seeking fire. So uh, one time a few years ago, um, Yazan handed me this uh, slip of paper that said, uh, to say the fire boy comes seeking fire was enough. He just handed it to me. And for some reason, it's still taped to my wall. I have this door that I don't close very often, and there are things on it, like a, a sign holder that Tim once designed that I plan to build. And I think you gave me that drawing like five years ago or something, <laughs> and a few other things. And that's taped there. And I realize how precious that is now. So homage to Yazan and homage to all of us. So again, that poem, the unique breeze of reality, do you see? Continuously, creation runs her bloom and shuttle, incorporating the forms of spring in the ancient brocade. <laughs> but nothing can be done about Manjusri's leaking. Thank you very much.